two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. We are so excited for this episode to be sponsored by eNurse. eNurse is Australia's leading one-stop nurse shop. eNurse specialises in everything a nurse or nursing student would need to survive. From comfortable, stylish and keep you cool under pressure elite hair scrubs to handheld study guides, nursing equipment and even a travel coffee mug for those long commutes. eNurse will be your new favourite online shop for all things nursing. Head to www.enurse.com.au and use our code HUMOROUSNURSES for a cheeky discount. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that's been diagnosed with humoritis, poor prognosis. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. Today's episode's been inspired by TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Um, I stumbled across uh, at paging Dr. Fran while doom scrolling reels one night, and she's got some uh, amazing reel serves. <laughs> fuck she's got (laughs) she's got an amazing real series she has an amazing real series called sperm can find a way and it's all about the ways people have gotten pregnant that aren't from sex you know when you i've been sending them to you so we need to do this we need to do this (laughs) um the one that you sent me most recently yes that's what i'm about to explain episode two was on how a lady fell pregnant post hysterectomy so she had sex night before a hysterectomy and then they believe that the sperm must have been meeting the egg in the fallopian tube mm-hmm. when they took wh- out her- when they took out her uterus. Yeah. So she had a pretty good recovery. Uh, uterus and cervix were removed, but not a fallopian tubes. Had a pretty good recovery, and about four or five months later, wasn't feeling great. Was nauseated. Had an enlarged, bloated abdo. Went and had an ultrasound done. She was pregnant. It leaves me with so many questions, and I know mm. we're not going to get into it today, but I was trying to explain this to my husband the following day, like, after <laughs> I was like, this has blown my frigging mind. And I thought it was so interesting, they were saying, like, that the placenta was attached to the small bowel. And the abdo wall. Yeah. So but they, how much damage would that have done to the right, bowel? Right, And also, like, I was thinking, well, how did the egg cell, like, how did this fertilised cell mm. get out of the fallopian tube that was possibly, like, tied off? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. They're, don't, they're don't. things that that leave yeah. me. Yeah, maybe they don't um, tie the end of the fallopian tube off if they take, if they don't, um, if they aren't doing it for sterilization. Because obviously like, you can't get pregnant without a uterus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose. And if they use a diathermy, like maybe it's just cauterized. And but then maybe it's they not don't like, because the eggs still have to go somewhere. Do the, so maybe they because well, you would drain still out ovulate. Into the abdomen. Yeah, but not if the end of the fallopian tube shut. Yeah, I know. So if it's open, so, so then the maybe it's just open and they just it's just gone out and it's like, yeah, I don't like. There's so shit. many answers. Anyway, she has like amazing stories. So then we were thinking like, oh, anyway, she gave birth at 36 yeah, weeks. Yeah, I know. She didn't even vaginally give birth. No. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> she's not that good. Nearly came out her asshole. Probably <laughs> shit out a baby. Literally. God. Oh my god! Imagine anyway. the horror. Oh, I can't. I have to. I have to tell a story now because we're talking about this, um, and this is like weird medical, I suppose. Um, and when I was growing up, my friend's mum 
Like one day I went to my friend's house and this, my girlfriend, Tanisha, I don't think um, she'll be listening, but so one day I went to her house and her mum was like, she looked like she'd seen a ghost. Right. And she was, and I'm like, what's happened? She's like, I just can't get over this. Like this happened. Um, (laughs) Our neighbor um, was like going to catch the bus and she looked like she was in labor. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll, I'll drive you to the hospital. Like she had no one to take her. So she drove her to the hospital. And um, anyway, she's, they get her to the hospital and whatever and she goes into labour and she starts pushing and and um, my girlfriend's mum, her name was Marita, she was like, I couldn't understand why the doctors and the nurses like weren't that phased about what was going on. She was like, I could have sworn like that she was in full-blown labour and that she was about to give birth. And they're like, oh, she's not even in labour, like really playing it down. So they've all left the room and Marita's in here with this woman and was she's she pushing, right? Yeah, so she's oh, like okay. nine months yeah. pregnant okay. um, and she's pushing and pushing and pushing. And Marita's like, oh, the um, the nurses and doctors say you're not in labour. Like, what's going on? Next minute, she prolapses. Like, I don't, I don't, I do not understand. She must have had like a rectal prolapse or something. I really don't understand exactly what's happened. <laughs> and the Marita said that they like she prolapsed and a heap of stuff fell out of her. And then <laughs> the doctors were like pushing it all back in. Like well, maybe she did have like a rectal prolapse. Well, I don't know, but I don't. <laughs> Now I think I need to know more about that, but I'll oh, never no, forget this, her telling this I'm story. I'm so of sorry like, to everyone that we've just given <laughs> way more questions to than answers, but if we've got them, you've got them. Like, it's not oh, fair. <laughs> I need to find out more about that. Everything. We just <laughs> yeah. need to find out more. We need yeah. Dr. Fran on here to yeah. tell us more about how this shit happens. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so on the topic of weird and weird and wonderful, yeah. um, we're going to talk about weird and wonderful A medical each, stuff yeah. today. Um, Go first. Yeah, Kelly. No, you go. Oh, me, it's yeah, me yeah. first, is it? Oh. You might as well go first. Okay, your page so, is up. Um, my like, <laughs> so we start researching for this, and I can see that Kelly's already chosen um two that she wants to talk about, and I'm like googling, you know, weird and wonderful medical, and I'm watching and thinking, like, I'm reading these, thinking I really need to make sure that I'm being sensitive to the people <laughs> who experience yes, these weird and wonderful exactly. <laughs> medical things, and then I came across this. Persistent genital arousal disorder. (laughs) And I thought, okay, we'll keep going. So it's a rare condition that involves experiencing unwanted sensations of of arousal in your genitals that don't resolve with one or more orgasms. So to be like being on the verge of like... You know, when you're just super, 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 super yeah. horny and it, it's like it's almost like having constant cock block. Like, oh, what's the other word for that? Is there a female version of cock block? Mm, no, I don't, don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, if left untreated, um, persistent genital arousal disorder can take a toll on your body and mental health and reduce yeah. your quality of life, which I, I actually believe. Yeah. Like, I really do believe that. But when you read it, it's like... Well, so this can happen to male money. and female. Well, so yeah, so I'll get into that. So, okay. and I was reading this, and I was like, it's defined by a relentless feeling of genital congestion. I've never heard that word oh. before, but it just it I can already feel it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, <laughs> oh god, I know. <laughs> um, those who suffer from the condition constantly feel like they're on the verge of an orgasm, and the feeling oh. can last anywhere from a couple of hours to several mm. weeks at a time. Imagine just never weeks. being able to relieve that. Imagine feeling. trying to work while like being in the middle of a Zoom call, and all you want to do <laughs> is like nut one out. <laughs> but I think the thing about this is. It doesn't actually have anything to do with arousal. So you don't feel aroused at the time. Like you just feel this like fullness feeling down there mm. of like need to come, need to come. Oh, Jesus. But it's not like you don't have the desire. 
Could you imagine? No. It, could you imagine being like, I don't know. This is so not the same thing. But having an erection but not having arms and legs. Like not being able to do anything to about it. it or work it out. I mean, actually, it's not the same thing because you might have the desire there. But mm. it would just be like an impossible feeling, I think. Um, the condition mostly affects women, although it's oh. been reported in men. But it, there's confusion because of priapism. Yes. So they don't know... It's not all. It's not been that much like studied that much in men because yeah. it's been compared to prior because of an extended erection. But then it wouldn't necessarily. I imagine that this feeling wouldn't necessarily come with an erection either. Mm, like I if you're know. feeling down like that, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like you're having a constant female erection. They talk a lot of, about women in this specifically. Yeah. So it mostly affects women. It's been reported in men. It's estimated to affect 1% of people assigned female at birth, but the rate could be much higher due to stigma or embarrassment. Yeah, of course. There'd be lots of reasons why people don't want to talk about it, I imagine. It'd be fucking horrible feeling. Imagine not knowing what it was either. Like imagine walking around and it was saying that because and that it can be triggered by anything. So like if you're going for a run and your heart rate oh, increases, that's enough. your body gets confused that maybe that's arousal and then boom. Oh. Like it involves feeling feelings of intense genital arousal associated with increased blood flow and heightened tension in your clitoris, labia, perineum and anus. And get this, right? Symptoms may include pain or discomfort in your genitals, tingling in your clitoris, vaginal contractions, vaginal lubrication and unpredictable orgasms. So you'd just be walking around, oh! Yeah. <laughs> Bit of Harry Met Sally. <laughs> um, oh, my God. The sensations are, can be described as, and this is like, it just paints a perfect picture, pressure, fullness, pounding, pulsating, throbbing, burning, tingling, itching or pins and needles. Mm. And there's no treatment. Oh. There's, well, there's no standard treatment. No. They've... There's been some studies um, that some of the following drugs or interventions have eased symptoms for some people. Um, medications like antidepressants, antipsychotics, mood stabilizers, and drugs for nerve pain have yep. been have, have sure. been proven to I somewhat suppose help. Some of it's a nervity issue, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. They don't. I don't think they really know what causes it either. No. Psychological. There's um, behavioural health interventions like cognitive behavioural therapy, electro ECT, like yep. electroconvulsive therapy, psychotherapy, distraction techniques and validation techniques, and physical therapy interventions like pelvic floor physical therapy and massage. Mm. Rough. Rough. Ultimately, the treatments vary case by case and the condition is so new. So it was only discovered in like 2001 mm. um, that they're still learning about which treatments and coping strategies work best. Well, I guess it's hard to find people that are willing to come forward. Yeah, and then also be studied. Like, how embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know that there'd be many positives to that other than your husband might think that they are really, really good in bed. <laughs> yeah, but imagine if that's, like, if you're saying that's causing, you have that but you don't necessarily have the desire, desire no. then you probably won't, wouldn't even want to have sex because no. it might trigger this mm. response and then you have your sex and you have an orgasm. And then you walk away and you still have this yeah, be awful. awful feeling. Yeah, that. Oh. Well, we'll go from one end of the body to the other. So we'll go from vaginas to the mouth. <laughs> My uh, first disorder is pica. Yes. Um, I love this. I mean, it sounds terrible. I do love learning about this disorder. Yeah, so there was a TV show a while ago. 
about um you know how like my strange like, addiction yeah <laughs> there's like people that eat um like plaster off the wall or tissues or her husband's ashes mm, i saw that mm. one horrifying so it's an eating disorder that involves eating items that are not typically food and that do not contain significant nutritional value such as hair dirt or paint mm. um its name originated from the latin term latin word for magpie what yeah because the magpies are famed for eating unusual things and having unusual behaviors oh my god Random, hey. That is so random. It's like in summer, in spring, when they decide they're going to eat human, get attacked by magpies all the fucking time. <laughs> anyway, <Okay>. it's, <laughs> it's considered an eating disorder according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, mm. the DSM M5, um, when it persists for more than one month at an age when eating objects is considered developmentally inappropriate. <laughs> Um, because you know, like so not when young you're a kids, baby. Yeah, yeah, you're putting things in your mouth for exploration reasons. Not part of culturally sanctioned practice. So there are mm. some um, cultures around the world that eat clay and things like that, mm. um, and is severe, significantly severe enough to warrant clinical attention. Mm. It's been linked to mental and so medical if you're disorders. Just eating one stick of chalk a week, that's probably okay. But if you're eating thirteen a day, probably needs yes. um, attention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, some of the disorders like stresses for psychological trauma, maternal mm. deprivation, parental neglect, and pregnancy. Mm. Pregnancy is one of the most common times mm. that um, Pika will develop. And I believe I had a form of it. but From um, inhaling diathermy smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ate a lot of ice. I was obsessed uh, yeah, with ice. Like yeah. I could not stop eating ice. Like I would eat cups and cups and cups. Mm. I mean, I still have it to this day a little bit. But when I was pregnant, mm. it was like I loved being in hospital because sure I had an ice machine. While you well, were I was severely <laughs> um, iron deficient, oh, okay. and that's oh. one of the most common symptoms. Yeah. So there's um, lots of different types of um, or subtypes of picker, and they all have cool names, which have, <laughs> I'm oh, never going to be able go. to pronounce them. Acuphasia, sharp objects. Ooh. Amlophasia, purified starch. Hang on, from stop there corn. for a second. When I was reading about this, I was looking at um, I don't I don't know how I got onto this, mm. but um, oh, it was like rare, rare and odd medical mm. findings, right? And there was a lady who swallowed a toothpick and it migrated into her liver. And then there were seventeen other cases where people had swallowed toothpicks and they'd migrated into their liver. Do you think that is the most incredibly Weird. strange? Phenomenon. Yeah. Well, they showed – I found a picture online. It was like a bloke that had, he'd been eating like iron basically, like rusty nails and oh, stuff like God. that. And when they And when they opened up his stomach like post-mortem, he had hundreds of screws and <gasps> nails and stuff that was just embedded in his um, oh, gut. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Just fun fact. So there's – yeah, there's heaps. Burnt matches is uh, cortopriophasia. Uh, guess, guess what this one is? Emetophagia. Or oh, eating vomit. Yeah. Oh, nah. Coprophagia. Feces. Oh. Gross. Gross. Um, I'm like sex, eating sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hematophagia. Blood. Yeah. Oh, vampirism. Vampire. Oh. Yeah. Um, so there's heaps and heaps. Um, phagophagia is the ice one. That's what oh, I reckon. Okay. Yep. Anyway, there's no diagnostic tests to um, that can like diagnose it. It's obviously just based off your um, be clinical assessments. Cl- yeah. Yeah. But when you're in the process of diagnosing for Pika, you should 
um, do accompanying tests, tests for like anemia, mm. um, potential abdominal blockages and um, toxic side effects of the substances yeah, that people are ingesting. I did see one on that show, a girl would break up CDs and eat them. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was weird. They're so dangerous. It's like, so they're dangerous. so dangerous. Um, and I think things like people, you know, would eat paint and, and stuff off walls and like, you know, paint was lead-based mm. up until quite recently really. So, you know, that, that build-up over time would be terrible. Um, it often occurs with mental health disorders associated with impaired mm. functioning, so intellectual disabilities, autism spectrum disorder and mm. schizophrenia. Also iron deficiency, iron deficiency anemia and malnutrition are the two most common causes of PICA, followed by pregnancy uh, like the, the body sending you a signal. Yeah, literally. Yeah. In, yeah. Um, and you just if you treat the deficiency with medication, it often resolves the desire for to, to yeah, do yeah. bigger. Wow. Um, and then there's um, correlations between you know malnutrition and and not ingesting enough nutritional value. So a lot of people mm. that have pickle will still eat food, but often not to the extent that they require it, mm. thus leading to further um, nutritional mm. issues and iron deficiency and things like that. It's like this vicious cycle. Yeah. They often treat it with like behavioural issues, um, just reinforcing. I remember that lady um, from My Strange Addiction who was eating her husband's ashes when they were trying to help her and intervene, she ended up locking herself in the bathroom. And she was saying, like, her biggest mm. fear – so she would eat a little bit every day, but her biggest fear was that when it's gone, like, that that it, that it will be gone. Like, that yeah. was her greatest fear. And, and she was, you know, it was getting to the point where she was consuming it so quickly that it wasn't going to last and it was terrifying her. And then when um, they tried to intervene – like can ha- hold an intervention. She locked herself in the bathroom, and they ended up having her committed. Yeah, it was really awful. Well, they yeah. If if it doesn't, if it's not resolved by fixing the nutritional deficits, mm. then it's obviously psychological. So and behavioral. Mm. So yeah, they, I think this woman was just yeah. so grief stricken, and yeah. she really wasn't coping. And yeah. yeah, it's often trauma it based too. Like yeah. obviously. Um, so aversion therapy, positive reinforcement therapy and sensory based, um, if it's sensory based, so a lot of people mm. will have things in their mouth for the feeling of it, um, switching those feelings to from non-edible items to actual edible items. Mm. Apparently popcorn is used a lot. Oh, there you go. Um, and fizzy lollies. Because of the crunch. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, it's like so random what people will Just amazing what mouth. you've got and also just what – the control that your mind can have over your actions, I know. like you know, yeah, crazy. You know, when I was I, when I was on placement at the Royal Children's, there were so 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 many teenagers presenting and being admitted with psychosomatic illness. Mm. Crazy. Like I probably sh- I won't talk about them, but like there were so many that were most of them were like intergenerational trauma Mm. and then also like there were a few like Munchausen's by proxy like their Mm. parents convincing them that they were sick and you know and then like in a wheelchair can't function kind of Mm. sick like and you know just so incredible what the body and what the mind can do yeah um to you yeah um crazy the mind is so powerful isn't it so powerful I think it's definitely underestimated um, speaking of the mind, <laughs> I've got the coolest, not the coolest, it's fucking fucked up. Um, 
But I have another one mm. called Charles Bonnet syndrome. Never heard of it in my life. No. Apparently it's a, it's way more common than we would think, oh. right? So Charles Bonnet syndrome is a condition that happens when a person with low vision has visual hallucinations, right? So the eye's retina facilitates the conversion of light into a visual message for the brain. And when it's not able to do this, like when the um, when you're not getting enough light or your vision is um, impaired, um, and if your vision gets worse, then you become more likely to develop Charles Bonnet syndrome. And I got onto this because I saw an article about this 67-year-old retired teacher in Kentucky was on the verge of asking, asking for an exorcism after she started seeing oblong faces with large teeth, eyes and ears hovering over her. The doctors confirmed she wasn't on drugs and wasn't losing her mind. She knew the hallucinations weren't really there and they didn't speak to her. Okay, right. So they're just visual. Yeah. So the hallucinations can be simple, like bright coloured patterns that show up over everything that you see, and the medical term for that is unformed hallucinations. Or you can see more complicated things like animals, buildings, or people that don't exist, and that they're formed hallucinations. Scientists aren't really sure of the pathophysiology behind it, but they think that the hallucinations happen because the lower vision reduces the number of images your brain gets, and because it's been used to getting all of these constant um, visions yeah. and all of you know all of this information, your brain wants more, so it uses memories to recall things that it that it's seen, or it just makes things up so that you've got something oh. to see. Is that not crazy? That is so crazy. It's amazing. And again, like your brain is like, oi, we we can't see. I'll what give you, you something. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you something to watch. <laughs> so crazy. So um, it can affect people with conditions that cause vision loss, such as age-related macular degeneration. Um, one study indicated that more than 12% of people with um, macular degeneration, degeneration will develop Charles Bonnet syndrome. <laughs> it's an estimated one in two people with severely impaired vision may develop hallucinations. One in two, that's half. So is this people that have lost their vision or even like from birth? Anyone, like age-related macular I don't know about... Actually, I don't know if you've about not that. had vision prior. No, I wouldn't think so because yeah, the brain doesn't know nothing. any different. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, uh, Charles Bonnet syndrome can happen in anyone, but it's more frequent in patients eighty years or older, which is awful. Like, awful. could you imagine? Because I mean, they'll just be put down to being senile or, or delirious or dementia or something. And I, then I think, fuck, how many of our patients have hallucinated and we've just thought that it was a side effect of their mm. drugs or a side effect of um, something their delirium else? Or and really, it's their eyesight. Crazy. There's no cure. Oh, there never is, is no. there? But um, they've tried medication. <laughs> providers have tried medications, but they don't work. Yeah, um, antipsychotics and things don't work because it's What's, the brain literally yeah. just saying. Let's, look at look at this. Yeah. Hey, check this hey. out. I can do this. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> look how clever the I brain am. Just flexing, isn't it? Yeah, the brain yeah. like saying to the eyes, "I can make you see this." <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for your eyes here. Yeah. <laughs> Are you uh, missing this? Symptoms do often improve with time, possibly because your brain becomes more used to receiving fewer images to process. However, mm. it can take years for the hallucinations mm. to stop. That's crazy. Isn't it? I just thought that one was so interesting, like something we'd never even thought Think of. of. And I've never heard a doctor mention it or like in all the old people I've nursed that have hallucinated, no, one person's been like, oh, do they, they've got low vision, it could be this. Like mm. never considered. And one in two people... One in two with severely impaired delusion, like in vision. One in, 
One in two people. <laughs> I'm leaving that it's in. My turn. Um, you know, that is hu- those are huge odds. Like when you get old, so much stuff happens. You have like a one in two chance of heart disease, a one in two chance of Charles Bonnet syndrome, one in two <laughs> chance of fucking cancer. Like you're practically you're like literally half dead when you get older. Do you know what it reminds me of? I don't know if you've seen Anastasia, but you know Rasputin, how he's been like dead for a hundred years and he comes back together and all these like skins falling off yeah. and all these muscles break and then his head comes yeah. off and he puts it back on. That's how I picture old age. Like, <laughs> just one more thing breaking like down. His, and then his, one of his eyes like yeah. rolls out of his head and he just pops it back in like that's how I see. That's how I see just aging. Wake up in the morning. Oh, look, uh, today's a visual hallucination day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tomorrow it's bloody a heart attack. Oh, God. <laughs> Stroke it is All soon. in a day yeah. of being old. Are you the type of nurse that works smart, not hard? You make sensible choices and never look back. Financially savvy and understand practicality. You bathe. You pick up extras and stay back to help. You don't wear your mask under your nose. You buy elite care scrubs from eNurse because that's the sensible choice. You like the freedom of choosing extra length or 4XL. And the affordability that gives you fanny flutters. You go to enurse.com.au and buy a pair or two. Use the code HUMOROUSNURSES for 10% off. That's smart nursing. That's enurse. Loves our nurses. I've got some other things actually, stuff that I found that I just thought was interesting. Mm. Um, Pornography headaches. So um, Mm. sex headaches are both mysterious and somewhat rare. A neurologist. I don't feel at the- like they're mysterious at all. <laughs> I feel like your vision just hurts from staring at the screen for too long and wanking. <laughs> um, there's a neurologist at the University of California, um, San Francisco School of Medicine, said one percent of the population may suffer from so-called primary sex headaches. Mm. Yep, sudden headache at the point of orgasm. Unlucky. Yeah. That'd be distracting. Imagine like, <laughs> being about to come and then go, oh, my head. Oh, God. <laughs> Migraine. Um, there was a soy sauce overdose. A kid got dead to drink a bottle oh. of soy sauce and he had a heart attack. Yeah. Well, he, no, he um, he ended up in, had a seizure and had a coma, and ended up in a coma, actually. Yeah. Um, one woman had a twisted esophagus. Like it literally, the picture, look at this. It, what um, the fuck? Yeah, so it twisted up like a corkscrew. And they're saying that... Um, that your esophagus is meant to have, there's parts of the muscle that um, contract as the other part relax while yeah. all of hers contract at the same time. Ooh. Yeah, so really interesting. There, um, no cure for that one, unlucky. This one, um, uh, some woman developed a cataract in the shape of a star and there's a picture over here too, you can have a look. Oh, cute. Yeah, very cute. Anyway. Um, cute medical condition. One guy got a hairy eyeball. Ooh. He got a tumour in his eye. It was a... Um, uh, he had a benign tumour on his eye, this guy in Iran. And by the time he was 19, Iran. the tumour had grown to about a quarter of an inch thick and started sprouting hair. That this, The hairs look like they're about two centimetres. Gross. Anyway. Imagine plucking your eyeball. Oh, this guy had it. Okay, then there's a guy who got a tattoo on his penis. <laughs> uh, he got it. He was also from Iran. Um, this guy paid a tattoo artist to put the letter M for his girlfriend and then the Persian phrase for good luck with your journeys, which I thought was mm. a bit strange anyway, on his penis. Um, he what happened to him? He had pain for eight days after the tattoo and then his penis became permanently, permanently semi-erect. 
He lived with the condition for three months and then went and got medical help. They tried to put a shunt and to drain the excess blood and it didn't work. And he was like, oh, well, I guess I'll live with it. Mm. So that's it. He's living with a semi-erect penis. (laughs) Um, There was a woman who drank only soft drink for 15 years. I think she drank about two litres a day. She was a 31-year-old who was sent to hospital after she fainted and she had um, catastrophically low potassium and she was in an arrhythmia. um, did she drink like diet soft drink? Did it say cola and no other liquids every day since the age of fifteen? Wow. Yep. Surprised she didn't have like terrible osteoporosis and she's well she's gut only issues. Yeah, I, I know. But like, find? if you've never ingested anything else, one week after dropping her soda habit, her heartbeat and potassium returned to normal. <laughs> no lifelong damage. There you go, everyone. Get on the coke. Do not. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> we talked about the toothpick in the liver. Necrotic ulcer caused by a kitten. A teenager uh, in the Netherlands was left with a, yeah, so she's got a massive um, yeah. necrotic wound. Cats are bad. From a cat scratch. Cats are bad. Yeah, just a few rando ones that mm. I thought were. I have one last one. Oh, do you? A little weird oh, one. Yes. Alice in Wonderland Syndrome. I'm it's, so curious about this. Yeah, curiouser and curiouser. Is that from <laughs> Alice in Wonderland? Oh, I'm late. I'm late. late. <laughs> um, it's a very rare condition that disrupts your brain's ability to process sensory input. Um, I already dis- have that. <laughs> I walk into walls everywhere I go. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the disruption affects how you perceive the size of things you see around you, the feel or look of your own body, or both. Oh yeah, um, it can distort your sense of reality, and two thirds of cases that happen in the happening people in under eighteen years of age. Oh my god, it's gosh. a rare condition, and there's very little research into it. It is temporary, 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 mm, tem, tem, temporary, uh, short lived, <laughs> and doesn't often require direct medical attention. So, gosh, um, it's often uh, caused by. Uh, things like migraines, seizures. Mm. Um, I've done this all backwards, so I've got to scroll down. Um, the use of psychoactive drugs. Um, Epstein-Barr Epstein Barr syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Um, and there's a relationship between the syndrome and glandular fever, which is a type really? of Epstein-Barr syndrome as well, I think. Yeah. Um, and then if it happens in adults, it's more likely uh, related to migraine right. activity. So anything that, that disturbs the brain can cause these things to happen. So you can there's three main types of the syndrome, disturbances in self-perception. So people have trouble correctly perceiving the size and feel of their own body. Oh um, it changes your sense of reality and, in a, and your ability to feel connected to your body and emotion and the passage of time. Would it be like... If you reached out to grab something, like your mm. hand might look enormous or look yeah. really tiny. Yeah, um, Disturbances in visual processing. So it affects how your brain processes what you see around you. And the most this is the most common form, makes up 75% of chain, uh, cases. And combined symptoms where you get both. So it, in the perception of your body, it can cause your body to feel too big or too small. and Or it can cause your whole body to feel unusually tall or short. I feel like it sounds like, you know, when you go to like a 
fun house there's like those magic mirrors, mirrors that like warp you and yeah. the things around you like, I feel like that's what it would feel like yeah so there's derealization which is like a form of dissociation where you feel disconnected from the world around you God. depersonalization which is the type um, of disassociation that makes you feel disconnected from your body thoughts or feelings um, some people describe this feeling as watching your own life in third person as if you're watching from over your own shoulder or outside mm. of yourself Feeling split in two, um, known as somatopsychic duality. People often describe this as feeling they're split in two vertically. Makes them feel as if their bodies left and right halves exist separately. Oh, what the fuck? But you can feel both. Like so. Crazy. Um, disruption in the sense of time. So your ability to judge the passage of time um, often feel like they're standing still or that time is greatly sped up or slowed right down. What in the world? I know. Um, and then there's things like macro, um, macrocropsia, <laughs> objects may appear larger, or microopsia, where it may appear smaller, changes in distance. So you have this, I'm not even going to attempt to. Oh, my God, to, it's just so, so much. It literally, it changes your perception of everything around you. Freaking out. Yeah. Um, and... There's, again, no – oh, and one of the other one which I found quite interesting was called zoop, zoopopsia, zoopsia, zoopsia. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, why do I pick these things? Um, in additional hallucinations, sometimes associated with this syndrome, um, involves hallucinations of swarms of small animals, what? ants, mice, etc. How random. I know. And it's small animals. Yes. Specifically. Or isolated groups of larger animals. What? The experience of um, zoopsia, zoopsia is a shared symptom of a variety of conditions, not just this Alice in yeah, Wonderland right. syndrome. Um, there's no treatment, um, no standardized treatment. They it, really, it's so temporary. Uh, and fleeting that it often doesn't require anything. How have they been able to, if it's so fleeting, how have they been well, able it, to when study they, it, it so just, well? I don't, they haven't really, right. but it's just this. Um, but they, again, as with the uh, most of them, you got to treat the underlying condition. Yeah, so right. you treat the virus or whatever is affecting you, the oh, migraine. Oh, is that how it's, um, oh, yeah. 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 And then, um, so they have tried things such as antieleptics, migraine prophylaxis, antivirals, antibiotics. Antipsychotics are rarely used. Um, due to their minimal effectiveness. I wonder if you get it once, like say I'm someone who might get a migraine once a year or once every two comes, years. Yeah, I don't know. If you get it once, do you get it again? Like, Or is it just a one-off? Yeah, I don't of, know. Yeah. It's so those, these things are so intriguing though. Like as you said, like the, it's a lot of the time these weird diagnoses are brain-related. Mm. Um, What's the strangest thing you've ever nursed? Like have you ha- ever nursed anything like this? Hmm. No, I've nursed priapism though. Oh yeah, what did you have to do? It was do? a side effect from a drug. What did you have to do? We for injected him? it with something. Was this in theatre? No, nah, it was on a ward, medical ward. God, poor bloke. It had Just been erect a tent for the like whole time. nearly eight hours, and they were worried that it was going to lose function. Oh, he was quite young. He was terrified to stick needles in it. Yeah, I bet he was. I can't remember what we injected it with. <laughs> I, I wasn't paying a huge amount of Yeah, vasodilator, would it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've just made that up. Yeah. 
one of the doctors was like, they used to just stick a cold, icy cold um, (laughs) spoon on the end of it. Just pour a bucket of water down his, like, bucket of cold yeah. ice water down his pants and see what happens. He would have done all that. He would have done the cold shower and tr- probably tried smacking yeah. it or something. Yeah. <laughs> Go down. Uh, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think I've ever really nursed anything completely random. I, I mean, we've had times where um, when I was in Broome, we had this girl come in and she had, like, she was so unwell and all her obs and everything were okay. And we just couldn't work out what was wrong with her. And then the doctor was like, I wonder if she has blah, 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 which is a condition. It's not called blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I can't remember the name of it. But <laughs> it's like a condition that you get from the soil in one particular area in the Kimberley. It's oh, like, like a bacterial infection. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Not, not that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I saw a case of this the other week. I wonder if it could be that. And so we tested for it and it was. Oh. It was this, yes. Yeah, yeah. And you just treat it with anti specific antibiotics yeah. and it just passed. Yeah, but, right. yeah, it was like one of those things where like right doctor, right time, mm. had just previously seen it for some reason stuck in his head. Yeah. Was like, oh, she was from that area. Like. We really, we almost need to do a whole episode on migraines and or a whole episode on psychosomatic illness because there's so, mm. so, so many different ways that they can present. Yeah. And um, the I had a patient who had a migraine and the migraine was so severe that um, they had a respiratory arrest. Mm. And, like, that was the most random thing ever and then was, like, extubated the following day in Melbourne. I don't think I've ever had a true migraine, like a full. I had one after after I went, like, skiing. So we we drove up to Buller and then and I got so car sick on the way up mm. and on the way home. And um, then we got there and we're skiing and that was all great. I had a great time and, like, stacked, like, you know, so many mm. times and whatever and, like, tumbled down this freaking mountain. And then uh, we got home and I was so sick and I was like, I must be pregnant. I must be pregnant. Oh, my God, I'm so sick. I'm so <laughs> sick. Took all these pregnancy tests. And I'm like, if I'm pregnant, like, this this baby's fucked. Like, yeah, I rolled down this hill. Like, I've just... <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, wasn't pregnant, just had a horrific migraine and it went for like a week. Like oh. I was in bed and I didn't, because I kept thinking I was pregnant, I didn't mm. do anything about it. And then I went, I ended up going to the hospital and had one dose of Ketorolac and I was cured. Yeah, Ketorolac's <laughs> like the magic drug, oh, it isn't is it? it is the magic drug. Yeah. But yeah, migraines are pretty intense. If you've ever heard of a weird diagnosis or you've nursed someone with a weird diagnosis... Send us a DM. Yeah, we'd love to know what you've yeah. nursed, what you've seen and, what, yeah. you know, if it's something. I feel like there's things that just stick with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll never forget um, a patient who lost the last 20 years of their memory mm. after their brother died. So their brother died. Traumatic events. Eh? Traumatic your event. Brain. Your brain goes, can't deal, can't deal. shut gone. down. Gone, gone, gone. And then took days and days and days oh. for it to come back. And we ran every fucking test known to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is wrong with this person? <laughs> Send us a DM at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast on Insta. Or send us an email at hello at twohumorousnurses.com. Give us a five-star rating or review on the podcast platform you listen to us on. Tell a friend to listen to us. I feel like we've had a heap of new listeners lately. Yes. And a heap of new yeah, followers on hello Instagram. To the new it's followers. like people like in the new year yeah. getting into it. Oh, also need to plug if you know anyone who needs a grad year, I'm not saying you have to do a grad year, but if they really <laughs> want one. Um, send us a DM as well because we know uh, of a few spots so and we'd love to fill them. So, um, yeah, shoot us a DM or an email. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, tell your friends. Tell your friends. 
拜拜。Bye